Brodo family, welcome back. We are here with a new episode today, but before we begin, we have to tell you, we must tell you about the entire Brodo package, and you can get the entire Brodo package in one place. The only app in the fantasy football world that has every single thing that you need to dominate fantasy football, and that is the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. You can download it today everywhere you get your apps. What do you get in this app? Huh? What do you get? That's a good question. Well, you get player profiles with every single stat that you need. You get advanced statistics with Brodo exclusive statistics like rushing yards over expected and, of course, true throw value and true target value. You get a social media where you could post about fantasy football and people will actually care. You get specs, including the new rookies in their pro days where you could see where they rank in their 40 times, their bench presses, etc. You get cool tools to create graphs. You get our rankings. You get news. You get all the coaching staff you need. Hey, there is seven new head coaches in the league. You need to know exactly what their tendencies are, and you can get that right here. You get contract information. Who's in their last year of the contract? You're going to want to know that. You get articles, a brand new article just posted by Santiago Casanova, uh, our math whiz kid, uh, talks about where do you find targets? Where do they come from? Do they come from the player? Do they come from the coach's scheme? He goes into that very much in depth and tons, tons, tons more, including this podcast, which you can listen to right on the app. So today, please support the show by downloading the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Welcome back, baby. We are here. My bad, Jason. I cut you off in the, in the intro, but you know, I'm 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 in control of the of the of the machine today. It's my machine. You're a piece of shit, and you do what you want. You know Whatever. what? I, I, I I'm back it. in the driver's seat. This is how it started, and then all of a sudden the twins took over, and they started getting a little power hungry. I'm not gonna lie. All right, we had to we had to fight. What are you talking about? <laughs> all powerful. <laughs> Michael wanted to come back from breaks. This is too much. Too much. Anyway, Jason, what were you saying? I'm bad, confused. <laughs> I was just gonna add to the app before you cut me off that. I don't know about Michael, but if you listen to all of my arguments today, I did not leave the Brodo app. Everything I say is coming from the app. And so this should be a nice crash course of every single thing that the app offers, which is literally everything. Yeah. Uh, the reason why we're able to create this app, by the way, is because of our support over at Patreon.com. So check us out, Patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy. And for as little as $3 a month, you can get a ton of extras, including an extra episode this week where we are going to continue... The theme of today, for those of you who don't know, the theme of today is good twin, bad twin. This is one of my favorite episodes because one of the twins presents why this player could be good next year and another twin presents why a player could be bad next year. So it's definitely uh, one that I enjoy and definitely one that I can't wait to get into. And we're going to have three more players available on our extra episode on, episode on Patreon. Uh, Patreon also has tons and tons of extras, including access to our Discord, access to our leagues, and much, much more. Also, the Brodo Fantasy Dugout, for those of you who watch the Mets game and watch Michael Conforto lean into a pitch today. Uh, oh yes. Then you know that he got you an RBI and a and a walk and a <laughs> so in your fantasy league. So uh, the Brodo dugout also available to our patrons. Sign up for as little as three dollars a month. Patreon.com/slash Brodo Fantasy. We appreciate the support. So I want to. We're going to talk football, obviously, but I wanted to start with this, and we we have big news to talk about too, because obviously we're Jets fans. If you if you've heard us before, and Sam Darnold has been traded, so we're going to get to that. But before that. You know, it's the, it's the news of the day. How do you guys feel about that win? How do you guys feel about Michael Conforto putting his, his elbow into the into the batter's box to get hit and win the game? A win's a win, man. Anyone who's played baseball knows that that was complete instinct. Yeah. And it might be lame that it happened. And But he said after the game, look, next time I'd rather get a hit, but I didn't realize how close to the strike zone it was. So, yeah. I mean, he needed to win the game, and he won it. His instinct was to win the game. I don't blame him. Michael? I'm with uh, I'm with Jason as well. I mean, look, obviously, it looks like he leaned in a little bit. But let's be real. We all watch Michael Conforto play. Well, we do. I don't know about the people listening every single day. And the dude kind of does that. 
with his elbow typically when he swings he he like moves closer into the plate and he kind of did that and then obviously at the last second he realized oh shit and stuck out his elbow a little bit and i mean and it worked so i mean kudos to michael conforto man when you <laughs> playing watch, the system if, if you haven't seen it yet go like take the time to youtube it or or something or whatever or instagram it the thing about about it is if you look at it in real time it doesn't look that obvious when you slow it down it's like it looks completely and 100 percent obvious but i think jason's right i think it was just instinct but then again if this was going against the mets i'd be livid today so um what did eddie guerrero say one time if you ain't cheating you ain't trying um but speaking of trying the jets are trying to rebuild they have a brand new everything joe douglas is putting his mark on this team robert sala is here um what do you guys think about this Sam Darnold trade? First of all, he goes to the Panthers, who, by the way, uh, according to Mike Florio, the Panthers have given, um, uh, what's his name, Teddy Bridgewater, a permission to seek a trade. So it does not look like they. this is going to be a quarterback competition, as some people suggested. Um, you know, the Teddy Bridgewater suck-off fest is just is unbelievable at this point. Um, but it's not going to be any type of competition is going to be Sam Darnold's team. They already exercised the fifth-year option, so they're showing that they have confidence in him, although they are saying in the public that they're not out of the quarterback race in the in the draft, which is complete nonsense to me. You don't trade that much draft capital if you're going to draft a quarterback at eight when you just traded for a quarterback. So I think that's just coach speak. But regardless, it's a, it's a fourth-round pick this year, a sixth-round pick this year, sorry, and then next year, a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick. So three picks um, for Sam Darnold. So, Jason, first things first, what's your opinion on this trade? From the Let's go with the Carolina perspective first because we, we can talk all day about the Jets' perspective. Let's go to Carolina. What do you see from them next year with this move? It's interesting, man. You know how I feel about quarterbacks in the NFL um, move on quickly. So I don't know about, like, a lot of people are saying, oh, Sam Darnold's the next Ryan Tannehill. Uh, is he the next Ryan Tannehill? Leaving Gase and yada, yada. If you look at true throw values, it's not even close. Tannehill was head over heels better than Sam Darnold. But we've seen Darnold make good plays. Just just to, just um, to clarify that, Ryan Tannehill was better with Gase than than Sam Darnold was with Gase in, in the comparison of true throw values. Just wanted to throw that out there just because it wasn't clear. Correct, yeah. But... um. I do round of applause to the Panthers. Um, well, not really. So they screwed up by signing Teddy Bridgewater, and we said that from the start. But round of applause for moving on after a year. They admitted that they made an awful decision. So it should be a good opportunity for Sam Darnold. I don't know if it's going to work out. I do think that... I think this helps the receivers this season. I think Bridgewater is more of a... I'm going to make bitch throws to Mike Davis type quarterback. But now with CMC returning with Curtis Samuel out the door, Sam Darnold has a rapport with Robbie Anderson already. He's probably going to utilize DJ Moore a lot more without Curtis Samuel there than Teddy Bridgewater did. So I do think that this is lining up a little bit better for the Panthers position players. Uh, Michael, how about you? What are your thoughts on the Panthers here? I mean, like Jason said that uh, under and what you said um, under Adam Gase, Ryan Tannehill was very efficient. Sam Darnold was not. And it's not like I understand Ryan Tannehill had a better team around him and such. And you could say all you want about how the Jets roster isn't good and all that. But the truth of the matter is Sam Darnold has struggled for three years in the league now. And yes, he's still young. He's only 24. Yes, he's been put in a bad situation. But. I'm not one of those guys who thinks Sam Darnold to Carolina. Now Sam Darnold's going to be an above average QB. I just, we saw him make plenty of mistakes on his own as well, watching the Jets every week. It wasn't always just the team around him making him and making him these, making him make these mistakes. He was making mistakes himself as well. And for me, it's will he be as good as Teddy Bridgewater? I think he will be. As you know, we're big Teddy Bridgewater haters on this podcast, and we've been proven right time and time again. T Teddy Bridgewater is just a dink and dunk, below-average replacement quarterback, and I think Sam Darnold can at least at least be that. Will he be much improved from that? I'm not really certain, 
Um, I understand the trade from the Carolinas perspective. Take the high upside chance on the high pick who's been in a bad situation. Uh, get him the good weapons. McCaffrey, Moore, Robbie Anderson. Actually reunite him with Robbie Anderson. I get all that. I'm just, if I were to bet today, I'd say there's like a 20 to 25% chance that Sam Darnold Whoa. actually becomes like an above average quarterback and isn't just a mediocre, replaceable dude. You are walling, in my opinion, 25%. Come on. Anyway, I... Look, At this point, Tim, you give him more than a twenty-five percent chance of being a legit quarterback. Yes, one hundred percent. And let me let me let me say why. Before you're you the one wilding, then let, let me before you guys call me an idiot. I'm gonna tell you why. First of all, the Panthers, uh, from a Panthers perspective, they already mentioned in this offseason that they lost seven games by less than one possession. Right, so they were in position to win way more than they won. And they said it out loud to anyone who listened. We need a new quarterback that can make plays and that can finish off the game at the end of the game. And I believe that Sam Darnold is that guy. For me personally, when I watched Sam Darnold play, I saw a player making plays in the worst possible scenario. I want to give you guys... Remember this one thing. Remember the fact that Sam Darnold, when you say surrounded by terrible talent, there's one thing to say that. There's a completely other thing to see what the hell he was surrounded by last year. Sam Darnold was playing with an offensive line that had exactly zero starters that had played with the team the year before. Not just started, played with the team. Five new offensive linemen. He had Frank Gore, a 34-year-old running back, as his starting running back. He had Brashad Perriman. A complete burnout except for two games at the end of, well, five games at the end of the season before as his number one receiver. He was throwing to Braxton Berrios. Not for nothing, his only good weapon was Jamison Crowder. And you go back and look at the stats in Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder absolutely killed it. Jamison Crowder was a fantasy machine when Sam Darnold was healthy and then when he was healthy because he had his own injury problems. But every time those two were healthy on the field together... They were a production machine, despite the fact that the Jets didn't do anything. Despite the fact that you could see this on the app, Adam Gase ran the third most plays, third most run plays while losing last year. Like the, his percentage, that's on the fantasy, that's on the app, by the way. Go check that out. That is not just uh, something that needs to be overcome and a bad roster. That is the worst situation in football. Not to mention, he's playing with Adam Gase as his head coach. Not to mention, it ends up being a good trade. I think it's a good trade. But at the same time, Jamal Adams was a huge difference maker for the Jets' defense last year. The Jets' defense was sixth in the league in 2019. They were horrible in 2020. Horrible. Not for, And to continue, the Jets were shedding assets during the season like wildfire. Avery Williamson uh, amongst them. Um, uh, what's his name? The D-Tackle. I can't remember his name right now, but he went to, I think, the Falcons. So there are they were shedding players, and he was just in a horrible situation. But when he was asked to make plays, he made plays. Did he make stupid decisions sometimes and throw it to the wrong person? Yes. But when Braxton Berrios is your number one receiver for the majority of the year, you tend to throw it to guys who aren't open. And when you have no type of play action system in your in your in your coaching scheme, when you have no type of support on your defensive side or from a running game or from even a tight end, Chris Herndon was nowhere to be seen. I think that you're looking at a situation where you cannot succeed. And Sam Darnold flashed. He's always flashed. He's always he's always flashed that greatness. And I really think that he can thrive in a Joe Brady offense i think they're going to put him in a position to succeed and he's going to have a chance to to flash some of that greatness and some of that playmaking ability that he that we saw that i saw and i think sam Darnold's going to be an above average franchise quarterback in this league i really do because if you look at that if you look at the nfc south right now it's in a big transition Can we make period. like a, a bet that applies in four years Applies Maybe in four years. No, I could, four games. I could, I could, four games, you could probably tell. I could tell you. Yeah, you probably could. But I could I could tell you this right now. If Sam Darnold realizes his potential, and you have to remember where Sam Darnold is at too. When he made his first start, he was the youngest player in the NFL to make a start at quarterback. He still holds that record. Youngest player to make a start in the NFL at quarterback. He's 23 years old. 
Trevor Lawrence is 22 years old. Okay, so this is not someone who's washed up. This is a 23-year-old kid who went through some some bad, bad circumstances. And where I, don't, I forgot where my... Uh, my uh, oh, I look, if you look at the NFC South, you have the, the Falcons and an aging Matt Ryan who gets worse and worse by the second. You have... A completely re—I want to say completely rebuilding, but at the quarterback position, at least a, a rebuilt situation with the Saints. You don't know if it's Taysom Hill, you don't know if it's Jameis Winston. Um, then you have the Panthers, of course, and then you have the Bucks, who—they're the defending champions. So, look, if Tom Brady—what if Father Time finally comes from Tom Brady? It—it it, it probably won't happen. But there is a universe, and I'm not this—this this is the part that is like about. 10 to 20% likelihood. But there is a universe that next year, Sam Darnold is the best statistical quarterback in that division. And I, and I don't think it's a stretch. So, like, they have a chance here, and they're going for it, and they didn't give up much for it. I think Sam Darnold, I think that he has a chance to lead the Panthers possibly to a playoff berth next year if he realizes that potential. I mean, I think you made a good point about quarterbacks. Real quick, NFC South, people usually think of good quarterbacks, but Breeze just retired, Matt Ryan's getting older. I mean, let's not forget that Tom Brady's in the division, though. Right, right, right. So that's why I said 10 to 20%, just because of Brady, though. Yeah, I mean, I could see Darnold having a better season than Taysom Hill throwing-wise, but I just, I don't, I think you have false hope. I also wonder what, like, you and... I guess others who think Darnold is going to be good. Like what happens if he has a stat line similar similar to Teddy Bridgewater's this year or something? Like if you only look at the stat line, you would think, oh, Teddy Bridgewater played pretty well. But then if you watch the games, you know they had to compete like despite Teddy Bridgewater, not because of Teddy Bridgewater, even though his numbers look decent when you're just looking I mean, at his, a stat sheet his numbers don't even look this decent I, I mean he had a 70 he has 69 percent completion percentage which is great 3700 yards 15 touchdowns 11 interceptions in today's day and age is not going to cut it yeah like a season like that like what where is that really that much different than teddy bridgewater or any other replaceable qb in this league like if you sam darnold like i'm with jason the nfl is way too soft when it comes to keeping quarterbacks you either need to just shit the bed with your quarterback and try to get a good one, or you need to have a legit quarterback. Like, the Bears out here signing Andy Dalton is disgustingly atrocious and shit like that. And I don't know. I guess we'll see with Sam Darnold, but if I'm the Panthers, I'm giving him this year, and that's it. Like, if he has a semi-decent year, I'm not keeping him around just to have a semi-decent quarterback on my roster. I don't know, man, because if he throws for 20 touchdowns and 13 interceptions about 4,000 yards and they win 11 games then yeah you're going to keep Sam Darnold if they lose 11 games then yeah maybe you move on but I think that if you have a 23 year old quarterback that's escaping a situation first year on your team fourth year in the league you've already you've already extended him on the fifth year option like you've already taken it that shows progress that kind of season that you mentioned like yes is it is it the best no I think it's also like what he does in the fourth quarter. Because one thing that Sam Darnold has shown a propensity to do in his short time with the Jets is lead some game-winning situations when he's in the opportunity to. Now, he doesn't have that opportunity much, but people forget that the Jets really overperformed two seasons ago. They kind of overachieved. People were like, oh, Adam Gase kind of did an all right job. And then they signed Frank Gore. And, you know, like... <laughs> I think that we spent a little too much time talking about Sam Darnold but we should just be glad that the Panthers have decided their time with Bridgewater is just going to be water under the bridge. <laughs> Ayo. That cut me off to me. I'm the one that's oh, going to be a dad, and you're the one that's making dad jokes. How uh, was that not, like, been said yet, though? Because he's not done yet. He's water under the bridge, kid. It's um, true. It's true. What about the Jets' angles? I gotta have that tweet queued up for when he gets released or traded. How do you guys? So first of all, I just want to mention we don't really talk about rookies on this show, and you've noticed that because right now the entire NFL world is talking about rookies. Here's why we don't. It's not that we don't know the rookies. We had Thor Nishamon to talk about that, and we, you know, we do our own research on these rookies. Um, it's not that we don't care to talk about it because we do. It's that it's pointless. 
right now without like we're not NFL draft analysts, so we're not going to analyze the draft. You guys come to us for fantasy talk. So we it's so hard to know what these guys are going to do before they're drafted. So for example, a guy like Travis Etienne, right? This guy he he, he jumps off the page. He's the number one running back. The people have him being mocked to the Jets at twenty three. If he gets mocked to the Jets at twenty three, he's going to be a valuable running back, right? But what if he well, gets? He, but what he, if he gets? He's not. Give me a second. What if he gets? What if he gets drafted by the Eagles? Then all of a sudden it's like, all right, he's clearly in a two person backfield, you know. And and it's all about situation. It it really is so situational with these rookies. So I think that like a guy like Jerry Judy and a guy like Justin Jefferson. What's the difference between the two is the quarterback play, right? Because you would imagine Jerry Judy had a pretty good season. Everyone kind of hates on him because of all the hype. He had a good season, especially considering his quarterback was trash. So if Jerry Judy plays in that in that role, does he have – he definitely – maybe he's not as good as Justin Jefferson, but he definitely has a better year than he has now. So it's so much dependent on landing spots that there's really no point of breaking down this guy's talents. Although, if you want to check out those talents – all the information you need is on the is on the fantasy football app um, by Brodo. So check that out, fantasy football by Brodo app, I should say. Michael, what were you saying? Yeah, I just you motherfucker. You, <laughs> you just don't make general statements like that. The number one, a lot of people have Najee Harris or Javante oh, Williams ahead right. of Travis Etienne. I'm just saying, you, don't be making generalized statements. Javante Williams has been running up the board, but that's also the thing too. Like we're redraft guys as well. We talk about dynasty every now and then. Um, but we're not going to act like that's our specialty that we put all our time into. Yeah. So we also don't want to act like like we don't want to be the fantasy people doing NFL mock drafts. No. Yeah. Because what? Too, who cares what we think about NFL mock drafts? Too many of those. When these guys get drafted, we'll, we'll convey our thoughts on how they're going to do this season. <laughs> the worst. And we've had some some very 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 successful rookie. Um, like judgment of rookies in the seasons over these past several years. It's all about and it's role. because we don't really talk about them until they're drafted. <laughs> yeah, no bias at all going into it. it. That's the thing too. Like, I know I, the worst part is when these these analysts on Twitter they they pick their guy. Like they're gonna pick their this is my sleeper. Um, that's gonna go in the fourth round. He's gonna be amazing. And then that sleeper gets drafted by a team that has no reason to use him. They don't get used. You saw it with uh, what's his name. Uh, Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards, and especially the Zach kid, Moss. Zach Moss. <laughs> Zach Moss. Holy shit, Zach Moss. And the 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 Kansas City running back, bro. What the fuck is his name? The sixth round pick. No, not Ceh. The year before, the guy with those. Oh, Darwin Thompson. Darwin, Darwin fucking Thompson. Thompson. Everyone's love was Darwin Thompson. Everyone, and then he got drafted in the sixth round to this to the Chiefs, and obviously had no chance to play. And everyone was still. In love with Darwin fucking Thompson. So we're not trying to ha- be those people. With that being said, let's talk draft quarterbacks. <laughs> um, where, do, How do you guys rank the top five? That's all I really want to know. I know you guys didn't. I'm putting you on the spot here. How do you guys rank the top five quarterbacks? Question. Top five this year in redraft or just like NFL career? Not like top five if you were drafting. If you were an NFL player drafting. The NFL team, I mean. NFL GM? Yeah. That's a tough one. It's a tough one, right? Because, uh, look, Chris Sims, who I wasn't a believer, and then I, I checked the receipts. Chris Sims had Patrick Mahomes as the best uh, quarterback in the draft, and then he had Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen as the best quarterbacks in those drafts, and then he had Justin Herbert as the best co- quarterback in, in last year's draft. Um, and now he has Justin Wilson. I mean, uh, Zach Wilson. Zach yeah. Wilson as his best overall quarterback. So I'm not going to lie, as a Jets fan, it makes me hyped. Gets my yeah. Gets my pee pee a little hard. If you know what I'm saying. For me, yeah, is shit is fire. If, <laughs> if Zach Wilson's actually good, let's hope. Otherwise, Jets fandom is gonna suck really bad once more for the next five plus years. But uh, my top five would have to be um. I I do think it's Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson at this point for me. Um, watching more Zach Wilson and listening to smarter people than I in that area talking about Zach Wilson. Even I though there are some red flags. As well, before this Zach Wilson hype and stuff, Michael was Michael was not afraid to tell me every second of every day. It was kind of annoying how he doesn't really understand the Justin Fields hype. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Number three is Trey Lance for me, not Justin Fields. 
Um, just Trey Lance is OD fun. Like maybe he sucks really bad in the NFL, but he'll be exciting as shit. And hopefully it translates to the NFL. Um, he has the talent for it, but I mean, playing at North Dakota state and such, and he didn't play. He only played one game last year because of COVID and all that. There's not much to go off of for a, like a, a very young raw guy like Trey Lance. And then Justin Fields, like Jason said, every, every time I watch Justin Fields, it's the same thing with Tua. I hated Tua last year. I was like, I don't understand why everyone thinks Tua should be a top three quarterback. What does he do? Like all these people saying, oh, he's so good throwing outside the numbers and he has such good zip on the ball and shit. I'm watching Tua and I'm like, no, like he's just really not that good. That's kind of how I feel when it comes to Justin Fields. I was watching Justin Fields and I was like, what am I missing? Like, why is this guy some highly touted prospect? And he has, it does seem that he's faltered a little bit um, in NFL draft talk now that like, Zach Wilson has basically jumped him for sure. Um, people are very certain he's going to the Jets at number two. Um, but uh, for me, it would be uh, Lawrence Wilson, Lance Fields, and then uh, Mac Jones. Um, I, I really haven't looked into many of the other quarterbacks like Kyle Trask and such yet. A lot of people are high on Kyle Trask. There's also this dude, um, Mills. Like uh, I can't remember his full name right now. I'll get it for you. But he was like a top high school prospect that didn't get much playing time in college. And he's coming out. So interesting. Davis. Davis Mills. Yeah. So so interesting to see Davis Mills, too. He's like a, the Christian Hackenberg of this year. Um, Justin Fields, for me, man, like, it's tough because of the climate that we're in, the political climate. And every time you hear something on ESPN, it's about, like, people don't like Justin Fields because he's black. And I think that there is a definite point. That's the only, like, not to cut you off, but... People comparing him to Dwayne Haskins is solely based on jersey and skin color. I mean, the fact that they were both black quarterbacks at Ohio State because right. he looks nothing like Dwayne Haskins. Right, right, for sure. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's and there's obviously it's like there is definitely something to be said about that. Uh, there is, but at the same time, one of the one of the tropes, which is what you know about black quarterbacks, is that they they can't read a defense. And I don't think that about black quarterbacks at all. In fact, Trey Lance is black, correct, Michael? So Michael had another black quarterback over Justin Fields. Um, and I don't feel like that's the case at all. We have Some of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the league right now, is half black, Patrick Mahomes, right? He has, he has a black father. So um, mm-hmm. I obviously don't... Play for the Mets. I don't believe that. For Justin Fields, this particular person, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Indian, whatever he might be, at Ohio State, he was not asked to make reads at the NFL level like that. It was a, it was a RPO. If the first option was open, you hit the first option, which it's Ohio State, so a lot of the times he was open. And if not, you look at the checkdown and then you run. And that's what he did in college. So I think there is a good point on Justin Fields. Just Justin Fields, the person, not Justin Fields and what he represents. There's a point there. But at the same time, the people who are looking at that and, and putting Justin Fields down the board because of that, he was not asked to do that. So you don't know if he's capable of doing it or not. And that is where I think it, it comes because the dude has a cannon for an arm. He's going to run a 4-3. He's giant. He's been a superstar since high school. Uh, he's actually part of uh, QB1 on Netflix. If you guys never watched QB1 on Netflix, it's about high school quarterbacks. And um, like their senior seasons, uh, which Spencer Rattler, who is going to be probably a top draft pick next year, is one of those people as well. So I think Justin Fields has a lot of potential. It's scary to draft him before Zach Wilson and before Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I don't think he's going to be because it's it's less there's less obvious. It's less obvious that he can translate his game to the NFL right now. But he has all the tools too. And you could So that's why he's gonna go number four. That's why he, like that's why he, he's gonna be the third quarterback or the fourth quarterback off the board. It's not like he's gonna drop into the second round. You know, people someone's gonna draft him to be a franchise quarterback. Let's not forget, you know, Patrick Mahomes went what, eleventh, right, if I'm not mistaken. Um Deshaun Watson went eighth behind Mitchell Trubisky. Like th- there's very good quarterbacks. I mean, Russell Wilson didn't go into the third round. Like, there's very good quarterbacks right now that weren't picked with the top pick. So, and I, I was think gonna say, I think teams, 
NFL teams these days are looking more at the ceiling. Like, we used to hear a lot more talk of this guy is the most NFL-ready quarterback in the draft. Like, ever since that became the Josh Rosen tagline and Josh Rosen didn't pan out, I feel like people have started to think, oh, maybe who cares if he looks like he's the most NFL-ready? Is he going to be the best quarterback? Like, there was no reason to draft Trubisky over Mahomes. Uh, Who else? There was no reason to draft Josh Allen over, I mean, Josh Rosen over Josh Allen. Like, if you just looked at potential. And that's why, like, I don't, I don't. Josh Rosen we'll see went. see where these people. Josh Rosen went what? after Josh Allen. Over, before Lamar oh. Jackson, though. All right, yeah. So, oh, what was I saying? I was going to. I think that people see Trevor Lawrence's ceiling as one of the best quarterbacks ever, apparently. People see Zach Wilson's ceiling as like a Josh Allen type, since Josh Allen's in the league now. And then you could even make an argument that Trey Lance is the most athletically gifted quarterback in the class out yeah, of this definitely. top five. It's, so it's, then that, it's interesting what you're saying, Jason, because although you do have a point, and I agree with it, there's a person who you didn't really hear his name at all. Mac Jones. I feel Mac like Jones. Mac Jones is the he's the guy. He's now. the most NFL ready. He's guy. the NFL you know, ready he's guy. The pocket pass. He can make the pass. Exactly. <laughs> right. He's the Josh Rosen. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. I, exactly. But then, like Jason's saying, is the NFL team going to watch Mac Jones tape and then watch Trey Lance, Justin Fields tape and really think Mac Jones has a better chance of being great? Apparently, uh, the think 49ers. <laughs> No, apparently that's all a smokescreen, though. But that's all Coach Beak, too. We have no idea, really. I'm, I said Trey Lance from the start for the Niners. I think Trey Lance is the Niners. I, I don't know why the Niners would go ab- about getting anyone besides Trey Lance, especially Mac Jones. Like, you know, why would you trade up? For, I, I don't know. For me, Mac Jones Basically, is, just, just have Jimmy G if you're going to draft Mac Jones. Exactly. So, I don't know. For me, Mac Jones is that guy who doesn't make much sense. And although the Dwayne Haskins-Justin Fields fiasco is definitely not uh, viable— I do think that there is something about looking at the history of quarterbacks from a certain school, right? And I, and I, I do think there's some, like USC, Carson Palmer, that's it. Yet there's a quarterback from USC drafted every single fucking year high, twice by the Jets. So it's just like, yeah, yeah. quarterbacks from USC, can you really trust them? Because quarterbacks from Ohio State, now again, this does not... This is not any bearing on Justin Fields, but it's something to be said that Ohio State hasn't produced a top quarterback in forever. I can't even think of one. They they have and neither. That was another thing for me with uh, Tua. Alabama quarterbacks have always sucked. That's what I was about to say. Why was he so special that he had to be the first like actually really good Alabama quarterback? Like it's I don't know. I never saw it with Tua. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. I was also not a big fan of Josh Allen. Josh Allen sucked his first couple of years and became a superstar this year. So I'm not acting like I'm some QB guru and two has no shot of being a good to great quarterback. Just I, I've never really seen it. And his rookie season certainly wasn't wasn't great. Before we get started, um, before we get started with uh, our next our, ne- our next segment, which is good twin, bad twin. Just one final thing I want to leave you with. I was a big fan of Josh Allen. Uh, that he was my number one favorite quarterback coming out. I wanted the Jets to draft him. In fact, I think that the Browns drafting Baker Mayfield set off a string of events that made Josh Allen not a Jet because I don't. I'm not sure that Baker Mayfield goes to the Jets. I think it's Josh Allen who goes to the Jets if Sam Darnold goes number one overall, which he was projected to go mm-hmm. that year. Um, but the reason why I liked him is because he went to Wyoming, and in Wyoming he played behind a terrible O line. And he, the worst O-line in the nation that year. And he made plays. And I hear a lot of people going, well, Zach Wilson played for BYU. I would rather a quarterback who played for BYU throwing to receivers that will not be drafted behind the line that will not be drafted with a running back that will not be drafted. At least high. I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie that like, I know the draft that deep where I know that like maybe BYU has an, a couple of draft picks. Um, but not high draft picks, not day one draft picks, not day two draft picks, that's for sure. He didn't play with any of those guys. On the other hand, Mac Jones played with 
a couple of the best receivers in Alabama history, a first-round running back, a, a, an incredible O-line, the best coach in the league, throwing to receivers who were always open, either because of their talent or they were schemed open. So who do, who do you really want to trust more? Do you want to trust the small quarterback, the small system guy who is the best quarterback in BYU history since Vince Young? I mean, not Vince Young, Steve Young? Or are you going to trust a guy who's always throwing to open wide receivers with a great running game? For me, like, I'm, I want the flashy talent. I want the Texas Tech guy. Or I want the guy from Clemson because Clemson has had good quarterbacks. And I know that a Clemson quarterbacks can succeed. So that's how I'm thinking uh, in terms of that. Uh, with that being said, you we You know spent- what's funny real quick going yeah, back go to that? Sam Darnold draft. You your favorite guy was Josh Allen, and mine and Michael's favorite guy was Baker Mayfield. Yeah. We kind of just talked ourselves into Sam Darnold because the Jets got him. Well, <laughs> I remember not doing much research on Sam Darnold because everyone was like, he's going number one, done deal. Don't even worry about it. Maybe Baker Mayfield maybe has a chance, but it's it's Darnold number one. So he was going to the Browns. So I was like, the Browns are in a shitty situation. I'm not trying to have a Browns quarterback. I'll I'll do my due diligence when I when I have to, but I didn't do any Sam Darnold research up until the draft. I saw his pro day in the rain; it was impressive. Um, but besides that, my real and and to be fair, like I wasn't perfect. I thought Josh Rosen was going to be a good quarterback. Like I had Josh Rosen over Baker Mayfield, but and and I had them both over Lamar Jackson. Although I thought Lamar Jackson had the highest ceiling if the, he was used right. But I mean, dude, this is a crapshoot. It's always going to be a crapshoot. You never know because it's all about what's in between a guy's shoulders. And I'm not talking about his chest muscles. I'm talking about his head. And that's what's really what's going to do it. Which, by the way, Zach Wilson, BYU kicks you out if you have a girl in your room. They kick you off teams. Remember the BYU basketball player who got kicked off because he was, he was, uh, he had sex? Do you remember that? I don't. You guys don't remember the BYU? He lost his scholarship because he had sex. Jeez. Yeah. Anyway, um, that guy <laughs> who had to earn his way on in BYU and then threw 40 touchdowns last year, that's a guy that that kind of storyline encourages me. And I know it's not I know it's not like concrete, but it, it encourages me. Anyway, we are 37. You're a funny guy sometimes, Tim. Why? I don't know. You bring up the fact that Zach Wilson couldn't have a girl in his room and you're like, right, let's draft him. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> what I'm saying is like he was he's not some stuck up like because I'm saying what's in between his head. Like I, I can well, imagine Tim, that he's a good kid. Like the same thing with Justin Fields. I see Justin Fields and he's a good kid. He's always been he's always been number like he's always been able to handle the the spotlight. Uh that's another that's another thing. I, I don't know about Trevor Lawrence and if he can do that because Trevor Lawrence Sucked it up in a big game against Justin Fields. So, I, I, and I don't know if I've never, I mean, Trevor Lawrence also makes ridiculous, stupid comments about COVID on, online and shit. And like, and like about like human rights. Like he makes really, he says really stupid things. So like that turns me off. I'm, I don't, I want a person who I, I like, like Joe Douglas said, you have to meet them and then you have to meet their families. I'm all about the high character guys, especially a quarterback. You know, um, Tim Tebow sucked at football. <laughs> no, he didn't. He was very good at football. The Jets fucked him up. All right? All right? So, it's Tebow totally. time. It's Tebow time. Totally. All right. Let's play Good Twin. Hello. Versus Bad Twin. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Michael and Jason obviously Tim's actually doing that, Michael. Yeah, obviously cannot hear my sound effects because Jason said, Hi, how are you doing? And, and, and while the angel sounds were playing, and Michael did an evil laugh while an evil laugh was playing. So obviously, uh the twins have not mastered this yet. Fuckers. Sons of batches. Alright, but we're gonna start with the first guy uh on the list. And this is a guy that on Twitter right now there is some craziness going on about this guy. Everyone wants him to be on their team next year. He's one of those guys where the consensus is coming around that he's going to be great. But Michael, Michael, my bad, Jason, Jason has something to say about that. So let's start off with the good twin first. Michael, please tell us the goodness 
of the prospects of Antonio Gibson. Thank you very much, Tim. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to speak about Antonio Gibson. What are you? What are All you right. from Georgia now? What are you, George Bush? <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stop because I'm not gonna talk about Antonio Gibson the whole time like that. But yeah, Jason wanted the bad side of Antonio Gibson, so I gladly took the good side of Antonio Gibson, the infamous only 36 rushes in college running back who had quite the rookie season, ran for 795 yards, 170 rush attempts, both 18th in the league. So certainly did not underperform from that uh, aspect. Was already a huge red zone threat as a rookie, scoring 11 touchdowns, had seven big plays, which was good for 10th in the entire NFL. All of that, despite playing with a trash QB at all times of the season, only seeing 44 targets, even though he was a receiver in college, just absolutely ridiculous, 240 receiving yards only, and had only 32 red zone opportunities, which was good for 25th in the league. And he scored 11 touchdowns. And now he has Ryan Fitzmagic, the one and only, the gunslinging, hash-slinging slasher. And he's going to be another year matured, another year ready to go in this league. The snap counts were increasing throughout the season. And no, I am not shook i'm not thinking jd mckissick is going to be this big of a factor next season too antonio gibson was already a very solid rusher with limited experience last year now has a year under his belt his role should increase in the passing game as well they have ryan Fitzmagic there at qb solid o-line i think antonio gibson's stock is rightfully up so michael thank you for the <laughs> oh the wrong one thank you for the wonderful angelic ways of good twin but now we go over to the bad twin jason tell us why will antonio brown antonio gibson struggle hey so i'm george w bush (laughs) (laughs) look i so Fantasy football Twitter, if you want to call it, I guess, isn't always the most palatable place. And a lot of times just people taking it very personally that you don't agree with their takes. And so it's odd sometimes when you're going through the timeline and you see that nobody hates a player or dislikes a player. And right now the consensus is Antonio Gibson is the greatest player to ever live and everyone loves him and get him in Dynasty and yada yada. So I took a look at his numbers and they're pretty underwhelming, guys. He had a decent amount of touchdowns last year and that's kind 11 of them and that's kind that's of hiding than, the peripherals. That's more than decent. That's a It's more than a decent yeah, amount. League leader type shit. That's why people love him. If he had 3 touchdowns, I think the tone would be a lot different. Because in points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns, a Brodos exclusive on the app, he was 54th in the league. In yards per carry, a non-Broto exclusive stat, one that's often used. But also, but also the on the app, just, just so you know. Also on the app. He was 18th in attempts, but 23rd in rush yards per game. So he slacked a little bit there. And he was the 81st player in fantasy points over expected with a negative number. Fantasy points over expected zero means that you did what you expected. So a negative number means that you did slightly worse than expected. So which, and a which positive means, number means you did slightly better than expected. Right. So he when was you worse say, than expected. When you say worse than expected, you mean like in certain situations, like you were in this situation, you should have based done this, on the lo- Yes, based on NFL history of players who got the carries he got when and where, he should have scored more fantasy points. And that was with 11 touchdowns. And I know Michael talked about the hash-slinging, splash-slinging slasher. How is that a good thing, Ryan Fitzpatrick? He's a fucking... He's going to throw the ball a million ways. He's going to run in touchdowns. I should have looked that up, how many rushing touchdowns Ryan Fitzpatrick has, because he probably has a few every year. So knock off two from Antonio Gibson right there. If Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be slinging and the team's going to be passing a lot, or maybe if Fitzpatrick's not playing well, be down in games, and Antonio Gibson's not scoring as many touchdowns, and he doesn't improve his efficiency, people are going to be disappointed. 
it's a good thing he has Ryan Fitzpatrick because it's never a bad thing to have a better quarterback on your team for total offensive output reasons. So suck We're it. talking about <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yes, who is better than Alex Smith returning from a devastating injury, Tyler Henneke, and Dwayne Haskins? Uh, question for you guys. How many career rushing touchdowns do you think Ryan Fitzpatrick has? He's been playing since 2005. 22. Jason? Rushing touchdowns? Rushing. He's been playing since 2005? Jeez. Guy is old. <laughs> um, Michael gave a good answer. Let me Bro, say like give a guess. <laughs> 17. 21. Michael almost. Hmm. But if we're playing, so uh, if we're playing prices right rules, Jason wins. But luckily we're you not. Prior. Luckily we're not. Jason, over, you lose as usual. You special guest motherfucker. All right, next we have a running back that. Well, real quick, Tim. Oh yeah, you go gotta on. you gotta choose a side, bro. Good Do twin I? or bad twin? Who are you signing with? I don't want. I'm yeah, I'm dude. I'm even right now. I'm even. I'll, I'll choose a Come side. On. Antonio Gibson. I see that. I, I if I had to guess, I would say Antonio Gibson has a better season than he did last year but could have a worse fantasy season. So, like, I could imagine him being a more productive back in a more productive offense, but also not scoring as many touchdowns, so not being as productive for your fantasy team. So I'm going to say, like, good and bad. I'm, I'm cheating. You're I'm, lame. Look, I got the Zoom today. I'm the host. You shut your mouth, you. All right. The next Very guy. And whose arguments were more compelling? Just pick a fucking side. Michael's. Because Thank you. you. Fuck you. It's because I cursed at you. Because you cursed at me. That's right. That's, you, that's, I'm, I'm playing an unfair game. I'm Michael Confortoing this segment. Um, like a little baby with your bald ass head. <laughs> I, did, I did just shave it like two hours before the show. Um, and I have, a, I have like a light here, so it's probably like dinging off the top of my head right now. Um, you're welcome. Anyway, let's get to the next guy. He's in a crowded backfield. The Patriots never have a good backfield, but this guy really excelled last year, and that is Damian Harris. So, Jason... Um, for the only time in your life you'll get to be angelic, why don't you tell us what is the good about Damian Harris? Everything I just said. Flip it and reverse it. <laughs> oh, which, by Dude. the way, I, I realized the other day, I put my thing down, flip it and reverse it. And worse the bigger is I put my thing down, flip it and reverse it in reverse. No. <laughs> Head blown. Oh, that's like way more impressive now. I know. I put my thing down, flip it and reverse it, and then she puts her thing down, <laughs> flips it, oh, wow. and reverses it. Fucking that is, that Miss, is Miss Elliot talking shit and then backing it up. I love it. How is that not something that's discussed more? <laughs> Dude, tweet that right now. You'll go viral. <laughs> I actually, I actually got it from TikTok. Someone like did a TikTok with like a backwards TikTok of that part of the song and that's what you hear that's crazy yeah yeah anyway so jason put your thing down flip it and reverse it yeah everything i just said about gibson and his lower um lowish efficiency numbers damian harris was the efficiency king last year i mean in rushing yards over expected oh oh yeah rushing yards over expected that's the name of it broto stat exclusive on the app number one best in the league over everyone, name a running back. Damian Harris beat him. In EPA per attempt, number seven. She was great there as well. EPA is... If you want to use a different measure. EPA is expected points per attempt. Incorrect. What is it? <laughs> she was... If you look at the more traditional yards per carry, number six... Except, it's expected look, points over, expected points over average. You said, Jason. What, what was it? EPA is expected points added. There you go. It's there a, you go. My bad. My bad. My bad. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead it's go ahead. an advanced statistic. Either way, number seven is good. So he's top ten in all those stats, and then you can consider that Sony Michelle was a to do. <laughs> I haven't said that in a while. I'm very glad I got to get that out. So with to do. Out of the picture, because he's probably not even going to have a role next year. Damian Harris probably get more work. He was a running back one or two last season in half of his games. Probably going to get more work and be more effective again this year. 
And he only had one red zone touchdown last season. Imagine if he had 11 touchdowns like Antonio Gibson. He didn't get the volume to do that. But the hype would be out of control for Damian Harris, too. With the Pats bringing Cam Newton back, their team's basically looking the same. It's going to be an awful offense again. Probably want to stay away from them. But Damian Harris offers value. It's a good running back. Pretty uh, convincing there. Good side. But there's another shoulder that I have here. And on this shoulder (laughs) is the evil twin, Michael. Why will Damian Harris fail? That was a that was a cute effort, kid. I'll tell you, it was solid, solid but cute. I have been called the cuter twin. Yes, Damian Harris was impressive on the ground. There's no denying that. That's literally the only thing Jason spoke about. What he didn't speak about is the fact that in ten games, he saw seven total targets. For five receptions total through 10 games. Prolific. Through 10 games, seven targets and five receptions. Obviously, I don't need to like really explain to you how bad that is when a target is worth about 1.7 times as much as a rush in fantasy football land. But because he doesn't pass catches, excuse me, cast, excuse me, catch passes. There you go. <laughs> you got it. He only had two games at or above a 55% snap count, and those were blowout games. Seven of the 10 games he played in played 40% of snaps or less in that backfield. The goal line running back on that team, which explains Damian Harris's lack of touchdowns, Cam Newton, who had 12 rushing touchdowns and who just got brought back to be the quarterback for the Patriots in 2021, Cam Newton. So Damian Harris could rush for 95 yards a game and total over 1500 rushing yards on the season but he'll still likely won't catch more than 15 passes and still likely won't rush in more than like five touchdowns so bad twin damon harris that shit right there kid. <laughs> all right i'm gonna side with michael on this one too because i i think i'm, I'm somewhere oh. i'm somewhere in between because i really do think he's a good running back and i'd like to have him as like a rb4 on my team but Man, he's not going to – like Michael said, Cam Newton is just too effective on the goal line. and You could probably draft him as an RB3, you bitch. I mean, I didn't say I wanted him as an We're RB3. We're talking value here. Yeah, bitch. I wanted him as my RB4, all right? And I have him in, in some in some leagues. I have him in two out of my three dynasty leagues. So I'm, I'm, I am I'm believe in him to a certain extent, but at the same time – Then talk all you want about targets, but you know who had a lot of targets last year? James White. Chase Edmonds. What did that scrub do with them? James White, what did that scrub do with him? You know who didn't have a lot of targets? Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb. Just saying. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's move on. We can we can do this all day. The next guy. Yeah, 2-0. I'll, I'll take it. It's someone who is a... Uh, who's going to be definitely... Um, how can I say this correctly? Defended by his love. A guy who... Thought that he had the potential to be one of the best receivers in the league. And as the Angels play, Michael will defend the TikTok man himself. The kid's hero, Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju, for whatever reason, I understand the whole TikTok thing that's going on has turned into Blossoming Star into kind of like a fantasy football meme type of guy. Like, Like, oh, Juju. Yeah, like a pariah. Yeah, like, oh, that's who you want, Juju? Like, chill, all right? Because we're talking about a guy who legitimately had historical numbers through his first two seasons as a 21- and 22-year-old. As a rookie, he had 58 receptions, 917 yards, and seven touchdowns. As a sophomore, guys... 22 years old, younger than people being drafted this season. 111 receptions, 1,426 yards, and seven touchdowns. That's unbelievable for a 22-year-old sophomore player. Currently, he is only 24 years old. He played 2019 half injured, half with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges, and then last season had to play with 
the ghost of Big Ben. He still saw 128 targets, still ended as a PPR wide receiver 16. So in a year where everyone decided Judas Schuster sucks and will never be good, he was still a top 20 wide receiver. So, yes, Juju is going to be a good um, on the good side this year again because he is not going to be the 16th receiver off the board, not even close. You're probably going to be able to get him outside the top 25 or 30 wide receivers because people are so down on this dude despite the fact that he's been historically great so far in his well throughout his first two years and then dealt with injuries and such these last couple of years but he's still going to see a million targets he's still going to produce so yeah Juju is not just going to be some wasted player I wish I wish he went somewhere other than re-signed with Pittsburgh I would have been all over him even more like I hate the fact that he's sticking with Big Ben and his ghost body self but if he's going to be drafted wide receiver 30 plus it's a joke. He's obviously going to be a good value at that spot. Jason. I wish, I wish, I wish. <laughs> Jason. The you know what the evil... fuck you're wishing for? For a better spot, you bitch. It makes no sense. You're wishing for him to be somewhere else with a better quarterback in your argument that he's going to be good next year. You know why he's not going to be? I said he could. You know why be... Bad Twin's going to win this one? Because you pointed to... 2016 and 2017 what about i mean 2018 and 2019 what about fucking 2020 when he was kind of a bum and played injured and then 2020 2019 when he was kind of injured and played like a bum i'm messing up years here and 2020 when he was legit a bum dude you talked about he had 917 yards his rookie year that was on 58 catches last year he had 97 catches 39 more for 831 yards. <laughs> 86 yards less. On 39 more catches. Blah. He was 17th in true target value, but 24th in fantasy points per game. Blah. So even with awful Big Ben, he disappointed. He even had nine touchdowns last year, which was his career high. Yee. This guy was bailed out by touchdowns. Meanwhile, his opportunity share dropped to 12.4%. From 16% in his breakout season in 2019 with Chase Claypool coming. And now Chase Claypool's going to have another year in the system. Deontay Johnson's still around. And oh the last thing about it all, you wish, wish, wish Big Ben would leave. Well, he isn't. Big Ben's back. And he sucks. He's worse. He's going to be worse next year. He's old and can't throw more than five yards. So if you want to draft Juju and hope for a 90-catch 750-yard, <laughs> 10-touchdown season, then go ahead. Do it. Man. Do I, it. I got to say, <laughs> if you catch nine touchdowns and you're only wide receiver 24, and you caught, like, how many balls you said, Jason? 90? 94? 97 catches. 97 catches, nine touchdowns, and you end as wide receiver 24? Like, yeah, you got to try 10 hard. touchdowns. 10 touchdowns. You got to try. You think oh, that's that bad, Tim? Check out your fucking boy Deontay Johnson and his scrub ass self. This is Juju next kid. level awful. I'm just saying, Tim loves Deontay Johnson, but now he's shitting on Juju for better numbers than Deontay Johnson. Better, better numbers, better numbers. Huh, Jason, Jason, remind me who's who finished who finished higher in fantasy output? Deontay Johnson or Juju Smith Schuster? That was Deontay Johnson. Okay, so suck it. Suck it all. Deontay Johnson actually has the ability to make something happen after the catch, unlike Juju Smith-Schuster. So I'm taking Jason's side. I'm with the bad twin. I don't know what I don't know what this uh I don't know right. what this means. I've been with bad twin all three times. Let's see if you guys can change my mind. The last one right to the bone. is someone that is going to be a hotly debated item for a long time because there's a lot changing around him. At this time last year, Michael Thomas was going in probably the top five picks of Dynasty. Fast forward one year, Michael Thomas had no touchdowns in an injury-plague season. Drew Brees is retired, and we don't know who his quarterback is going to be. So Michael Thomas all of a sudden is up in the air. So the question is, for good twin, bad twin, good twin, Michael Thomas is still a wide receiver one. Bad twin, Michael Thomas is not a wide receiver one anymore. So Jason, the son 
Jason of the, of the Argonauts, a biblical name, really. You, my friend, end today as the good twin. Please, shine your light. Shine it holy. Your holy light on Michael Thomas. Tim, how would you say Michael Thomas's season ones last year? Decent? Uh, when he played, sure. He was decent when he played, o- right? Overall disappointing. Very disappointing. Overall disappointing, but he had a lot of injuries. Yes. But he was decent when he played. On the field, still good. Although I, I would have liked to see at least one yes. touchdown. Exactly. He was decent last year. He didn't even score a fucking touchdown. The least amount of touchdowns he's had in his career in the red zone alone is five. He's never ended a season with less than five red zone touchdowns before last year when he had zero. He only had 11 opportunities in the red zone last year. A 5% opportunity share on the team. Lowest of his career. His overall target share last season, 10.5%. Lowest of his career. He was dealing with injuries. Taysom Hill had to quarterback a couple of games. He didn't score any touchdowns. He was getting a little bit less work than usual. That doesn't mean that Michael Thomas lost a step. Just because he's kind of a prick these days and misses games for who knows why, doesn't mean he can't dome your favorite quarterback. Taysom Hill, if he qualified for true target throw value last season, he didn't throw enough attempts. Would have been in between Jared Goff and Jimmy G. Jared Goff makes Robert Woods relevant, Cooper Cup relevant. Jimmy G makes George Kittle a top three tight end. Brandon Ayuk was almost a top 12 wide receiver in like eight games that he was actually killing it. And Jameis Winston, if he's the quarterback, was 14th in true target value, throw value in 2019. So neither of these guys is going to kill Michael Thomas's value. He's going to get more work than he did last season. And you better believe he's going to get more than 11 targets in the red zone. And he's going to score more than zero touchdowns. Michael Thomas is still great. Nothing changed. Michael, the, the, you, you and Michael Thomas share more than just a first name, Michael. You also are a slept-on superstar wide receiver. So why don't you tell us, in your evil ways, why Michael Thomas will continue to fall into the abyss? Yeah, because I, myself, at Casino Football, which is where we play, touch football, greater than Michael Thomas in the NFL. (laughs) But look, to be real, Mr. I created true throw values and true target values, Jason Petropoulos sitting right there. Michael Thomas was seventh in true target value in 2020. Seventh. He ended 39th in points per game. That is a level of disgustingness that like only Corey Davis can produce or Sammy (laughs) Watkins. And guess what? 11 yards per reception he averaged. Not something new. Outside the top 100. What did he do in 2019 when he was a beast? 108th in yards per reception, 139th in average depth of target. Why was he so good? It's because he saw 185 targets. He has just been a volume machine living off of volume, volume, volume. There's a reason why this whole thing got made up about people calling him the slant king or whatever happened with that shit because that's what he did. You said he's going to go up and dome your favorite cornerback. How often do we actually see Michael Thomas going downfield and making a big play? Not catching it within 12 yards from the line of scrimmage. It really doesn't happen that often. Last year, he was also 68th in the league in points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns. Yes, he was a stud for several years, but that was with studly Drew Brees. Drew Brees has decreased his level of play and is now retired. And now he's going to have to play with either Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, who either of them will never be peak level Drew Brees, not even close. Plus, he became a diva last season, wherever that came from, and legit had to sit a game because of it. So I think the days of Michael Thomas 
no-brainer wide receiver one, yeah, I'd be very worried about that. I'm not drafting this guy expecting a top-five wide receiver finish. If that happens, so be it. I'm just not expecting it with the way, like, everything you look back on is just Michael Thomas seeing major, major volume. And that has been his boon his entire career. And now he doesn't get major volume last season. And you get 39th in fantasy points per game, even though he's 7th in true target value. Michael Thomas in his last full season, 2019, had 17 plays of over 20 yards and three plays of over 40 yards in his 149 receptions. So you're right. You know, like gross. Not a guy who goes deep a lot. Not definitely not a guy who goes deep a lot. Um, you know, Jason, I, I, I Michael, I, I, I definitely hear that, but I just have to say, like, I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. Let me tell, right, <laughs> let me tell you, we don't care. I don't care, man. <laughs> so Michael Thomas is the man, and he's gonna be back. And I'm siding with Jason. I'm siding with the good twin. Hallelujah. We are well. ending on a good. On a good note. Two to two. Um, not gonna lie to you, that one I would have agreed with Michael, but it's two to two, baby. So with that being said, I wish said, you guys could uh, real quick Jason's face when I said the true target value differential between points per game and true target. He, he his face was just like, oh, oh. <laughs> not gonna lie, I missed that part because I was looking. Up, I was looking up that Stephen A. Smith clip. So. Uh, Yes, Jeez, um, you know, your hosting duties galore. Um, by the way, if you <laughs> if you come to Patreon.com and you support the show, you could also get an extra episode where we will be going over five more players in Good Twin, Bad Twin. The five players, you say, I'm going to give you three out of the five players, and then the other two will be a surprise. Robbie Anderson is one of them new, with a new quarterback. DeMont, David Montgomery, is is his... Spike at the end of last season going to prevail because you're gonna have to spend a big a big pick on him. Corey Davis, Jason's favorite guy. Yeah, guess where Jason is on the good and the bad for Corey Davis. Uh, and then two more guys as well that we're gonna keep a surprise for right now. Uh, but if you join Patreon, you could hear everything that we have to say about these dudes and the good twin, bad twin extravaganza will continue. So with that being said, Jason, where can they find you? At BrotoFF Jason. Michael, where can they find you? At BrotoFF Mike. You can find Casanova at BrotoFF Casanova. Santiago Casanova, of course, our fourth Broto Bro. And uh, the, the, uh, the, the mathematics wizard of the squad. And then finally you can find me at Brodo FF Tim. You see what we did there? Um, shout out to everyone who supports. Also, BrotoFantasy.com is still live and direct. If you don't have the app, you can get almost everything that you get on the app on um, on the website, except a couple of cool features that are just app exclusive. But the website is you have all the articles, all the rankings, all the waivers, uh, stats, you name it, is available on the website too. So BrotoFantasy.com, go check that out. Um, but yeah, that is it for us this week. Uh, we have a, a we have a couple of surprises coming up for you for the next episodes. So stick with us uh, during the off season to get those surprises and be surprised. With that being said, we out later. Later. Later.